when we launched in 2016, you know, we, we didn't invent the category. There were other folks who were doing similar things, but we really focused on it. And um, they, they stopped and they liked the product and they, you know, they brought it to Oprah and she selected it as one of her favorite things for her, her Christmas issue. You kind of have your dreams about how it might go when you, when you launch your brand. So it was at the far end of what we had hoped for. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. Today, we sit down with Eric Sorkin, co-owner and CEO of Runamuck Maple, the company that has taken Vermont's most beloved export in limitless new directions. Welcome. This is Sam Roach-Gerber. And Dave Bradbury. Recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Today's episode is brought to you by the Vermont Small Business Development Center. Hi, Eric. Hi, Sam. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Dave. That's great. I, I, Sam, I love that you've got a podcast voice. Thank you. <laughs> it was very cool. Like when you got into it, your voice changed. It was She's very impressive. In. Yeah. yeah, dialed in. And, you know, I don't have the face for TV, so I really just focused on the audio and it's uh, it's come a long way. Well, maybe with a mask on, this is your chance <laughs> to be on TV, right? Yeah. No, I've been told the same thing, totally. so I prefer the mic is great. We're in our sweet spot here. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> Indeed. Um, all right. There's a lot of maple syrup in Vermont, if you haven't noticed. Tell us about the void you aim to fill when starting Run Amok. There had to be something that was like, you know what? This needs this needs a solution here. Oh, that's a great, great prompt. Thank you. Um, <laughs> sure. We, you know, so my wife, Laura, and I, we, we, we moved up to Vermont in 2000 to start an organic veggie farm, which was, which was Laura's dream. And uh, I was kind of tagging along for the ride, really just wanted to, to go wherever she went. And we did that for, for quite a while. And um, then, you know, kind of started winding that down in 2006, 2007, and uh, started thinking about our next move. And... We had a, we, you know, at the time we owned a large property, um, and had always considered maple syrup, but hadn't acted on it. And in 2009, we pulled the trigger and decided to do it. And taking our experience from the organic farming, we looked at our options, and we, you know, our, it seemed to us that the most reasonable approach was either to be very small, where we could, where we could effectively discount our labor, and it was just going to be me and her and you know we could make whatever we made and we'd sell it and that would be the money we would make for the year or we needed to be big enough so that we could afford the structure you know, the, the human resources necessary to really grow the business so when we launched we went rather big and at the time it was one of the larger operations and we started started large but we were strictly a bulk maple producer um, selling into the commodity market. Uh, my wife's background is in, she's a chef, and um, part of the original reason for moving up here was to get involved with food and ag. Um, and while we felt like we were part of the ag community, we were really not part of the food uh, community in the state. So what we saw in Maple was a, um, you know, the, the opening we saw was was really like three part. Like there was very little branding being done at all. You know, most folks, to the extent they were doing it, were really just putting their farm name on a generic bottle. There was very little design work. 
uh, or you know, everything was either just in, again, a putty brown plastic jug or a kind of more of a kitschy glass maple leaf or something like that. But, but there wasn't anything being offered to uh, appeal to a more contemporary aesthetic. And there wasn't, you know, which still amazes me for the most part, uh, maple syrup is sold as, uh, you know, kind of as a lifestyle. Like when people market their products, they, you know, you see pictures of their woods, you see pictures of their sugar house, and you kind of, it evokes a feeling of Vermontiness, which is really, you know, appealing, but we're selling food and the food we're selling is, is amazing. And almost nobody is marketing it as if it's food, you know, really tapping into the, the culinary, you know, aspect of it. And, you know, I always think about like, um, like a Coca-Cola ad when you're watching on TV and, you know, like, you know, like crack the can and you see the fizz and you hear the sound and the sweat rolls off the side and you just salivate or, or a Burger King ad with a, with a hamburger on it and it's steamy and juicy and it just makes you hungry. Like those are good ads to me for food, and no one was really doing that with maple. So, the the hole we were trying to fill was culinary branding and design. Awesome! And I nailed like it. Ten, <laughs> 10 minute answer to your one your one sentence well, question. It's important, I think, and it sets up you know what Runwalk's all about, right? But I think you're so right. I I can picture exactly what you're talking about with the you know the labels, the sort of generic maple syrup. Um, you know, container that was designed in the 1940s and hasn't <laughs> changed since. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, I think there is a huge void there. And I think, you know, maple syrup is so versatile and, and people kind of overlooked it for a long time. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, look, maple syrup, it's expensive to make and it's expensive to buy. And if you're spending that much money, particularly if it's a gift, you want something special to give. So um, I, I, you know, our, our thesis was there was room at that end of the market to make a premium product in what is, you know, frankly, already perceived as a premium category. And uh, that's played out. So, and, and all this from someone who has a law degree talking about design and branding and positioning. So outstanding. <laughs> um, so you run the company with Laura and, and also a third partner in this, right? President uh, Kurt Alpeter. So how did that come about and why? Sure. So Kurt Alpeter is is our president, as, as you mentioned. Um, so we launched the retail side of our business in 2016, and we'd been working on it for the better part of a year, creating all our you know infusions and, and everything else and the design work. And uh, Kurt had recently wrapped up at, uh, at his last long-term job at um, at my web grocer. <laughs> and, you know, he, he had spent uh, the better part of a year looking for an opportunity with a smaller Vermont startup and kind of had had set his sights on one and then a second different company, spent a few months with each trying to see if something would stick. And um, the place he was working, or you know, was just not taking off. So when I when I first met him and... Um, you know, I, so I, I pitched Kurt on working for Runamuck and he said, no, <laughs> he said it wasn't, it wasn't really his thing, but he was still looking. So I said, look, that's, that's great. Why don't you do this? Why don't you keep networking and finding your place? And while you're doing that, 
why don't you, you know, help us out a little bit and, and you know, help us out on the sales side and that'll keep you out in the community looking. And uh, so we kind of entrapped him basically about, about a, you know, shortly right, right, after he was started. He was from software, and right? Wasn't IDX maybe? I That's think I right. first met him and then. Yeah, um, so he uh, spent, I think, over 10 years at IDX and then a similar amount of time at my web grocer. And, you know, again, he was, he was looking to get involved in a smaller Vermont company. And when we first met him, Maple wasn't something he was interested in getting into, but um, convinced him to come into the company. And he's been there since really shortly you know, really just before our, our launch. So he came on at the very beginning. Um, Kurt's an amazing guy. I mean, he's, he's, he's very much a partner in the business. And, um, you know, his ability to form an effective sales team is just second to none. And it's like putting fuel on the fire. Like he is responsible for our growth. So awesome. And, you know, that's exactly the way Dave and I advise companies to build a team, right? You know, although it would have been awesome if he came on full time right away, like sometimes you need that dating period to sort of feel each other out and, and make sure it's the right fit. So um, I think that that sounds to me like the way to go. Um, but you, you touched a little bit on um, sales and I want to talk a little bit about your business model how do you sell your syrup, first of all, and have there been any surprises along the way of sort of categories or revenue streams that you thought maybe weren't going to work for you all, but kind of took off? That's interesting. So we sell our syrup. At, we definitely have a multi-channel approach. We sell it through our own website. We sell it on Amazon. Um, then we do, you know, we have a number of wholesale accounts. Uh, we do direct store distribution uh, then we have distributors and brokers and an in-house sales team. I should have asked how you how don't yeah, you how sell don't it? you sell right? <laughs> honestly I think that's that's the better question I'm not, I'm not sure there's a way we don't sell it right now we, we're you know we, we don't do a lot of international sales we, we take some um, opportunistically as they come to us but we have almost exclusively focused on the domestic market and that's primarily due to just the um, the, the headwinds of, of the regulatory approval process of selling foods outside of the country, you know, where it's that that's that's quite a challenge. So, uh, yeah, so we 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 have lots of streams. So on, on our sales team, uh, we have um, sales managers, you know, West Coast, East Coast, uh, VP of sales. And then for our private label and uh, our second line, which is called Wild 4, we have someone in, in Nashville who handles that for us. And then some support staff on top of it. So it's really, you know, having started with what was just um, exclusively an agricultural commodity, that business stops when you're done producing. Like there is no, there are no soft costs, right? Like you make the product and then you sell it for whatever the spot price is. It's all, all OPEX, no, you know, nothing else. Um this is a completely different business. And we actually, they are for us physically separate businesses, um, you know, or legally separate entities. And, um, you know, we, we really treat them separately. That's an, important for us. Um, as far as surprises, um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that, frankly, the, 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 maybe the biggest surprise for us is just, you know, it's more of a new product. When we launched Sparkle Syrup last year, that, you know, I had high, high, high hopes for it, but I didn't expect it to like 
take off the way it took off. Oh, you saved a birthday for me, for <laughs> well, sure. That's great to hear. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. I, I, I'm not a sparkly person, but I couldn't help myself. And uh, It's pretty magical stuff, yeah, I have I, to say. I made someone's day. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's great. <laughs> we all needed a little sparkle this last uh, year or so, so the timing was good. And um, Yeah, I think we really, really lucked out timing-wise. Like, so many people were trapped at home uh, or you know, largely eating at home, living at home, particularly if you had children. Um, people were just looking for something, some little bit of frivolous joy they could bring home and, you know, maybe share with their kids or their spouse or the grandmother, you know, and yeah. that, that kind of well, hit the spot and will for it. it continue to stick around? Is it a limited product or? Yes, um, okay. it is a limited product, and we haven't been able to keep it in stock. But we are uh, we are moving it to unlimited product. We're going to make it an unlimited release. Yay! Soon, so. <laughs> Great. So Thank we'll God. See how that does. <laughs> so, can you just tell us where in Vermont the syrup comes from? Where are you tapping? Sure. Um, do you really count to a hundred thousand taps or seventy thousand, or is it just a made-up number? Like, it, <laughs> that's an awesome question. You know, like, and, is it by you, is it do you buy them by boxes of a hundred pounds or something? So, like, that's we have to get to the truth on this. That is fantastic. You got to debunk. I, some I, I stuff. love that you asked that, and you know what? The answer is going to surprise you. The answer is we actually count um, when we go out. Uh, there's different methods of counting. You know the. What's surprising is how hard it is to count accurately. You know, one way we may do it is we know how many taps we buy and we look at how many are left when we're done. Of course, you have to account for all the ones that are on the forest floor and everything else. Uh, this year, one of our teams, they use those little uh, clicker counters and they clicked every time they put a tap in. So you, you may want to know why we care so much about exactly how many tasks we have. That was the follow-up question. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a reasonable question. So some of them, some of the reasons are some of our woods we lease and we pay by the tap. So it's good to have an accurate number for that. Um, when Only in Vermont do you lease land by tap. <laughs> so amazing. I want to make sure a tree with four taps in it, is that four or one? Uh, well... So we're organic. We would not have a tree with four taps. That's that's not something we would do. But if uh, some of our trees have up to two, and that would be two taps, you pay by the tap. And it's actually quite common. Um, and in fact, in Franklin County, which is where maybe the heart of or the core of maple production is, perhaps in the country, you know, Vermont being the largest producer of maple syrup, and Franklin County being the largest concentration of maple syrup production in the state, um, pretty much every maple tree is working in Franklin County. Like if you own land, someone has asked you if they can tap it up there. Um, so, Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and tell us about your production facility and sure. what, it, what it used to be and what it is today. Sure. So um, I'm assuming you're talking about our, our bottling plant in yep. Fairfax. Yeah. So we... When we, when we started with, with Runamuck Maple, meaning the consumer-facing portion of our business, we launched it in, in our sugar house, which could accommodate it for, you know, frankly, we thought it would take it for two or three years. Our growth just went so quickly that after, um, you know, six, seven months, we were way, way out of space. Um, in um, the end of 2017, we purchased what was the old Scrabble tile manufacturing facility in Fairfax, Vermont. Scrabble tiles. Yes. Did you know oh, that, Sam? My, my mind is blown. Isn't that amazing? So it's this, you know, so from 
1970s through 1999, all the Scrabble pieces were made in Fairfax, How Vermont. How have I been in the state for seven years and I'm just finding this out? Well, they moved overseas, like, like I said, in 99. Um, what's most you know, kind of fascinating to me is that at the height of that business, they employed 160 people and their primary production was Scrabble tile pieces. They made a few, you know, I think some Trivial Pursuit pieces and things that the Scrabble tiles rest on and some other stuff, but. Primarily but, vowels. All right, what's the uh, word value imagine. of run amok in Scrabble mm. tiles? You know, Laura would know that, actually. She spelled it okay, out, but good. I don't I was, know. K's a five. I have no idea. K's a five. K's a five, M is Ours a three. Are two. We'll I have our listeners chime in, so. <laughs> I'm not sure on that, but we could check later. <laughs> well, it's just a great, a great story of, of, you know, what was, why dormant, you made a big investment and, and put it into sort of contemporary use on a product, maple sugar and syrup that have been around for hundreds of years. So. Oh, it's, it's been a great fit for us. Um, you know, we were very much in need of more space. We, at the time I had, we, we, we were using about 10,000 square feet spread over multiple buildings. Actually, some of our operation was in Brattleboro. Um, we desperately needed to consolidate. So we bought this facility which um, you know was was owned by a wood manufacturing business that had gone bankrupt and it was bank owned and there was a lot of deferred maintenance. Um, but we purchased it about fifty five thousand square feet. Uh, we paid probably ten cents on the dollar at the time, and we got our money's worth, <laughs> and, and no more than that. So it required a lot, a lot of work. So we gutted it and put our money into the the production space primarily. And um, and and some into the into the warehouse space. So we moved in and we felt flush with space, going from ten thousand to fifty five thousand square feet. And we are bursting at the seams right now. Um, we we were you know we're there's a lot of offsite storage happening again, and um, we're fixing up you know other parts. Of the, you know basically we're we're out of space for the most part, particularly in our warehouse. Um, so yeah, the paint's not dry from my. <laughs> it feels that way, you know. We we actually when we moved in, we segregated about thirty thousand square feet. We're like, okay, you know. So again, we had to gut it, fix it up, and because we're a food manufacturing facility, we we really had to clean and monitor to do a lot of work in the space we were using. So we actually put a wall up to segregate, um, you know, forty percent of the building, and we weren't in there for. It couldn't have been six months before we tore that wall oh down. God. We're like, okay, so that wall has to go, and uh, we need to fix up the rest of the building. So it's been quick, and you know, we're not, you know, to be clear, we're we are not an, a, a digital business. You know, fast growth for us is doubling in a year, um, and we're not doing that anymore now that you know we we've kind of gotten the, the size we have, but um, but it's nothing compared to what you know a, a digital company can do. And how many employees do you have now, full time or or seasonal when sugaring is going on? Yeah, so um, with the two businesses together, again, the sugaring business plus the the manufacturing side, we're, we're probably about seventy five employees right now. Awesome. Do you like that? Do you like having that many folks? It's not the little sugar shack uh, experience. I mean, it's, it um, it comes with different tensions and stresses and joys. So yeah, no. I don't know, like, dislike is, is, is a way I would answer that. I mean, it comes with, I, I take being an employer, um, you know, I, I feel like it's a very, very big responsibility. 
So that responsibility can can you know can weigh on me personally. Um, you know, certainly the probably the most stressful time around that was when you know March 2020 when when COVID sort of just slammed into everyone and you know I'm continually amazed or I'm continually struck by some of the responsibilities I've assumed as a small business owner that I didn't expect and they're almost always around um, being an employer around HR and that was you know maybe like the you know the epitome of that right like I'm not an epidemiologist. None of us are, and we had to navigate that. And the you know the questions around that you know what's what was the right thing to do for our employees? What was the right thing to do for us as a company? Like you know that that stuff definitely weighs on me. So it's those moments, and particularly in you know March of last year, I don't think I've ever wanted to be an employer less than than that month. You know, we made it. We did. Yeah, awesome. we did. We didn't. You know, no layoffs, no furloughs. Um, kept everyone employed and we, we grew right through the pandemic. We've been, you know, we, we've been hiring pretty much nonstop since we started. Yeah. We always put your, um, your job openings in the VSET newsletter. And I got to a point where I was like, I should probably check this and just make sure they're actually still hiring. Cause it was in our <laughs> newsletter so many weeks in a row. And I'm like, Oh, yep. They're still hiring. So we'll, uh, we'll continue to do that. Um, Thank you. of course. Um, so one question I have to ask, which may be silly, but um, maple production is potentially the most seasonal operation you could get, right? How do you make that type of business work year-round? How do you sort of even things out? Well, uh, so I think it's it's important to note that I really do have two completely separate businesses. So the, the maple production business is highly seasonal, and that's what we were doing before we we launched the, the retail brand uh, with, with Runamuck. Um, that was challenging for us as we as that operation grew. You know, each year we bring in a a great um, a great team, and many of them would often want to stay year round. And you know, for the first few years of our operation, we just didn't have that work. So folks would leave, and we would cross our fingers and really hope they'd come back the next season. Ultimately, we ended up buying a small agricultural fence business so we now you know which which dovetails well with us seasonally so we picked up this small fence business and um, when the sugaring season ends we do that we also do woods installation work Sam, right, do, you, do you need so a fence cool. no, <laughs> oh i I'm thought like, you needed a fence I love, I love that you did that that's such a like what a way to hack it right and, and like keep those people and and figure it out well, that's yeah. the most entrepreneurial move. I love it. Oh, well, thanks. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure it always works out the way it did in my imagination and maybe the way I'm presenting it, but but we try. Uh, I can actually we still tell have when it. you got very eager about my fence needs. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so most of the work we do for that is with farmers for, you know, um, fence that's, that's often uh, partially subsidized by the natural resource, the NRCS, Conservation Service. Um, so, but, but we're busy year round now, right? So it's, it moves around and, you know, if, if I consolidate the businesses together, which for me, they are, um, you know, the, the maple sugaring season is, is super busy in the beginning of the year through, through the spring, you know, so it's basically the first quarter heavy and then into the second, um, 
our we our sales season is super heavy after that where we're really busy going to trade shows or making calls where the our larger customers are really figuring out what they're going to buy for their um, when they're when they're doing you know they're they're resetting their categories or they're planning for their holidays middle of summer we get super busy on manufacturing like really really busy as we're we're you know a lot of our products go out for holiday stuff so there's like this big bulge of manufacturing that starts in July runs right through October then we're heavy heavy into fulfillment and shipping um, and then you know closing out the year is big finance stuff and we're running our budgets and everything else um, we're busy, like you're, there, there isn't a slow time of, yeah. of so year for us. It might be a different focus, but it, it really does sort of even out. It definitely does. And you know, the, the, the harder part uh, on the ag business is still dealing with that employment, uh, dip, like the, the fence business is small and you know, it, it keeps maybe four to six people busy for the off season. The rest of the work, have, you know, we, we've continued to add new, new woods. So we get busy in those woods, um, installing the network of pipeline and tubing, which is super labor intensive. Um, and, you know, growth basically accounts for, for, um, for hiring like that right now. Yeah. That's amazing. So, um, you know, Start Here podcast is, it's, I'll say it, Sam, it's pretty famous and, and it's helped launch a lot of major brands and we get compared often to Oprah. I hear that. So she told me that actually. pros and cons, <laughs> but let's just say what, just describe for everybody the sort of Oprah experience, how it came about and, and what happened. Sure. Uh, so we had, uh, as I mentioned, we spent about a, a year, working on our infused barrel aged and smoked maple syrups and on the, the, the packaging and the website and everything else. And we knew that um, the, the fancy food show, there's a summer fancy food show in New York and a winter one in San Francisco, that, that that's the place for specialty food. And um, we were considering whether or not we should go to it. And, and I will say um, that my wife, Laura, will not let me off the hook if I don't mention she was the one who was very much pushing for it and I was reluctant and in the end we we went uh, we were very late to signing up and in fact they put us on a wait list and the only spot they had for us was in the new brands pavilion which is literally in the back corner of the building and they the give child's you, table yeah in fact we called it the kitty pool okay. this is exactly <laughs> it you know you're there they're super restrictive about what you can and cannot do which is which is nice it preserves capital resources right they said look we're going to give you a two foot table two and a half foot table like don't bring any signs like we'll give you a sign like just bring product no more than this nothing behind you like really restrictive so it kind of makes it an even playing field so we went and we set up in new york and there were four of us who went we're all behind this little table and um the you know oprah had a, a few of her people had come through as did a lot of other um, publications. You know, they're all trolling around for trends, and um, they they stopped and they liked the product, and they you know they brought it to Oprah, and she selected it as one of her favorite things for her uh, her Christmas issue. So that was great. You know that that was obviously you know an amazing get to get that you know right off the bat. We picked up a number of other um, national, you know, b basically 
you know, we went and you kind of have your dreams about how it might go when you when you launch your brand. So it was at the far end of what we had hoped for, you know, like in our fantasy minds, you, you go and people are fawning over your product and they're like, this is wonderful. Right. It's going to change my like life. And 12 Kroger like, stores somewhere, right? <laughs> right. Been a big Something, you know, so, you know, so it was it was basically at the fantasy end of what we had hoped for when we went to the show. Like, it was great. We got a lot of really flattering attention. And I, I, again, I think what we were offering was different. It was fully conceived and it was hitting the market at a good time. Um, so we got a lot of attention and, you know, we, we saw Ver, Food and Wine, uh, I think it was Healthy, um, no, clean, eat, clean Eating, I don't even remember. We, there was a suite of national publications that were paying attention to us and, and were, were going to write us up. So when we got back and kind of debriefed, we just, you know, we, we decided that we weren't going to try to survive the onslaught that seemed to be coming towards us, we were going to we were going to try and you know put our back into it and really lean in and thrive. So we started hiring. We bought you know uh, uh, packing lines and just you know, poured our money into it, and uh, just haven't looked back since. You know, so some of what we got with Oprah was you know that's that's um, validation, right? You know, yeah. so when we were going to market, we had a unique product. It was different than what most people were selling. People liked it, um, but we needed that kind of validation. So when talking to other um, retailers, it really helped to get that. And that, that's been snowballing. I mean, when we when we launched in 2016, you know, we, we didn't invent the category. There were other folks who were doing similar things, but we really focused on it. Um, and we were very much curiosity. But in the next 18 months, you know, everyone started piling in when they saw the attention we were getting. And that was very much, you know, a uh, rising tide. Like when we would go to these shows and we were the only people doing it, you know, it was harder to get a buyer because we seemed like someone with a quirky idea. Some odd people from Franklin much, County, right? Yeah, very much. So instead when they'd go and they'd see, oh, there's 20 people offering this, they're like, I can't miss out on this. Like this is obviously a trend or a new category. And it's it's definitely a category now. Um, so it started with a small independent mom and pops that were interested and were flexible enough to take a chance. And then it moved its way to the smaller chains and you know then the larger ones. So yeah. It's it's so awesome that you're able to like as a team just like lean into it. And I, I think a big piece of that is, you know, how quickly you're able to grow and, and expand. So I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask about how you financed that, you know, between the land, the facilities, the production, like just an insane growth with marketing. Like, how did you finance that? Yeah. So, you know, we, we had run the sugaring operation for, um, I guess that was about seven or eight years. And that was pretty profitable, um, reasonably profitable. And we hadn't taken any money out of that. So that was the initial load of capital that went into it. And the thing about specifically Maple is it's, it's very expensive. Like the perhaps the trickiest bit is sourcing and paying for maple syrup. It's expensive and it, you have to buy it at one point in the year. And the way you purchase it is you, pur you purchase it from an individual producer and you guarantee to buy their entire crop. 
there's a lot of variability with that. Uh, like this year, most people made, you know, call it 65% of a crop. It was a pretty bad year. Some folks made about half a crop. Other years, people may make 140% of a crop. So when you're projecting the, your, your, your needs out over the next year, and then with barrel aging, it's really a year and a half, plus you're buying it three months before you know, the end of the season, we're, we're trying to project our needs two years out on maple syrup, making commitments to folks, wondering, you know, there, there's, you know there's, there's, no, there's often no spot market for it between seasons. So we're buying from folks, not knowing if we're gonna get, you know, 10 units, or 30 units and not knowing if we're gonna sell 100 units or 1,000 units. So that's super capital intensive when you start out. So we used our modest pile of capital we accumulated, then we put personal resources into it, and then we borrowed against everything we had and uh, almost everything we had. And so we're, we're, we're debt-based. We haven't sold any equity yet. Um, that's probably around the corner as we've grown. The, Again, the, the tricky part is for us is is buying syrup. Like that's that's very, right, very keeping hard. a big inventory of it. I remember walking into Sugarman in, in, uh, in Hard Park, uh, no, uh, Hardwick, in yeah. their warehouse. It looked like a strategic oil reserve. Yeah, just barrels and barrels, just so you wouldn't have the spot market volatility or um, the risks of yeah, it's not actually being able to meet customer demand. Yeah, it's it's less about the the the, the market isn't so volatile. Not that's correct you on that but it's it's what happens is as you mentioned sam like it's it's incredibly seasonal and the way it works in maple is you buy it for the year and it's locked up like there this year there will be no available syrup in between seasons so you either have it or you don't or you can go to quebec where they have that strategic reserve um, and buy from quebec but for the most part you you make a commitment and you have to buy it and depending on your producer many of them just need it out of their way so um yeah it's all about syrup that's amazing eric i i do want to offer i tapped uh 30 trees this year that's a lot of work count me in for next year i'm happy to provide we're a buyer that sounds great sam come on by (laughs) i'll come by with my little bucket Um, uh, it was it was fun. It was a lot of work, though. I have a new appreciation. It is a lot of work <laughs> for your people. <laughs> it, it's a lot of work, but I mean, it, it's tough to say over a podcast just how magical the product is when you see it, right? The the mixed drinks, right? I mean, as members here, and it's been great to do testings. Oh man, like, Laura's recipes are incredible. Are, the one with the chicken Agreed. wings you make with the with the maple oh, syrup. that's a really good one. That is yeah. outstanding. So, um, well, they're all on our website. I think at this point, she's. Um, developed three, four hundred different recipes. There's quite a few, and we're we're actually about to launch a line of honey as well. So that that's a whole new world we're we're diving into. It's fascinating. Sparkle uh, honey, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> right, Sam, we'll get you a couple. Uh, I'll get couple, you. I'll put you down on our mailing list. <laughs> um, any particular resources in Vermont you found really helpful as an entrepreneur that others may want to know about? I mean, besides the trees. <laughs> well, besides, besides I was thinking more like, you know, <laughs> a lender or a technical or where do you go to learn the oh, business? Well, that's great. Uh, a neighbor, you know, so like so much other ag in the state, you know, there's a, particularly on the on the purely agricultural side, there's a lot of co- cooperation. You know, there's it's there's there's very little competition between different sugar makers. 
you know, because it's it's really you're all producing into this spot market. So there's a lot of work between folks on like different technologies and techniques to maximize your production. When you get onto the you know the sales side where where we are now, there's a lot more coopetition. You know, we all definitely work together, but we're also going after the same accounts sometimes. Um, for resources, you know, we've worked with uh, VMEC. We've obviously worked here at VSET. Um, you know, it's we've we work with our regional development, uh, the RDC. What's the yep. RDC stand for? Franklin County. Yeah, yeah. regional development corporation. Right? Yeah. So Tim Smith at the Franklin County it's Industrial Development Corp. You know, we have locations in where are we? Chittenden, Franklin, Lamoille uh, counties. So we've kind of worked with all the different RDCs there. Um, trying to think what else we you know. Uh, we have a fractional CFO, Spencer Newman, who has been, you know, a tremendous resource for us. And of course, his network and um, just networking. I mean, it's a great state. For, in my opinion, it's a great state for networking. I think it's it's a really, really good state to start a business. It's time. Yep. Magic wand time. All right. I really wish we had like three more hours, but um, yes. it just occurred to me. We're actually sitting in the Oprah Winfrey room. Oh, we oh, are. This is the, well, now tell me. Turn your oh, rooms into wisdom. Okay. So now, you know, I'm trying to book rooms and they've got different the things. Names. Things have changed. I, I was know. like, okay, what's the Oprah room? Like, <laughs> her name, this I is the Breaking Bad room. Is there a picture on? Oh, no, we took it down no, and put up a her, basketball net. Oops. No, no. Sorry, Oprah. No, Oprah's still up. She is just she? moved to the right of the basketball hoop. Don't worry. I would never take Oprah Let's, down. Don't, don't tell hmm. her that. We um, yeah, we're, some room naming is in order. Um, so you're not alone there. But we just like people to come up and ask us and initiate the conversation. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, well, we know you have to. You have a kid to pick up. So um, final question is the most important one. Okay. It's our magic wand question. So if you could change one thing about Vermont today with a magic wand, what would it be? Oh, I should have listened to more of your podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and I could have come prepared. <laughs> Damn. Um, one thing today. That's so not fair. I haven't prepared for it. Well, I'll stall but- a touch for you um, and tell you that it can be something really, like, moral and important, like, you know, diversity or, diversity. you know, poverty or housing or it could be very imaginative. It could be like Marguerite Dibble's bringing red pandas to Vermont or Ethan Bechtel's uh, In-N-Out Burger. So <laughs> if someone wanted traffic lights. Dustin Glasgow wanted. Dustin Glasgow wanted traffic lights on some road. So. Well, you know, I, I, honestly, like I, I should have thought about this longer because I, I probably would have come up with something different. But this has been on my mind a lot lately. So, um I would say one of the things that I would want to change would be, you know, having in a maybe I'm going to put two things, but they're in one category. One is, um, you know, access to affordable quality childcare for parents. Like I think that would be tremendous for this state, and as well as a as a as a as a comprehensive program that for paid family and medical leave. You know, same 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 bucket, but I think those would be transformative to the state. Um, if not the nation. Hell yeah. That's, That's a phenomenal great. answer. Well, I kind of, you know, 
the in and out burger is kind of appealing too, but. <laughs> I mean, I think ideally we'd get all of these answers and, and kind of pool them together. Someday, so. with the rate of technology, we're going to have a magic wand by the time we're done here at Visa. And then so. we're going to know exactly what to do because exactly. we, we've pooled the best we're minds. We're going to look in the sparkly maple syrup on the shelf and it'll come. <laughs> so. so, you know, we did manufacture a magic wand to go with our sparkle syrup this year. What? We did. We went to AO Glass and they made some cool glass wands for us. We did a hundred of them. And we sold some uh, some magic wands with uh, the sparkle syrup. Um, our research know? slipped because we, <laughs> we didn't know about the fence company. We, we got to get a better <laughs> research team. Okay. Right? You didn't so. know about the fence. Our office manager, you know, so we have the you know info at emails, and someone sent an email about the fence company, and she basically said we don't own a fence company. <laughs> She'd been working for us for about six months. So oh my I sent her God. Like, actually, that's amazing. you do own a fans company. Oh, <laughs> so that's awesome. Alone. Eric, thank you so much. And, and really to, to Laura and Kurt, you know, for those that take the risk to build the dream out and to employ people and to be a caring employer and steward of the land, like, thank you because it, it makes our place special. And, and it's not easy and it's not for everybody. So thank you. Appreciate all the support and uh, all the great work you guys are doing here. Well, keep trying. This has been Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. The series is supported by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. We're thrilled that this episode today in the Oprah Winfrey Room has been brought to you by the Vermont Business Development Center. Visit btsbdc.org today.